generation is rising on an emerging generation of kings. Let's go real quick to Isaiah 46. Today, I'm going to encourage you along those lines, born for this. Somebody say, I'm born for this. Or some of you said it, but you didn't say it with passion, with, with intensity. Somebody shout, I'm born for this. I'm born for this. Uh-huh. I'm born for this. Would you high five somebody right now? Uh, put a high five emoji in the chat box and tag somebody's name beside a high five so they know you are high five in them and tell them, I'm born for this. Wherever you're watching, Facebook, on YouTube, on Mixler, on uh, uh, give me whatever IG Live, right? Say, I'm born for this. I'm born for this. And we're going to read a couple of passages and I'll begin to exhaust from the Word of God. Isaiah chapter 46. Isaiah chapter 46, right? From verse 9 through 11. Isaiah 46, 9 through 11. It says, remember the former things of old. I know there's a place where it says, do not remember the former things. But here it says, do remember the former things of old. For I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Watch that. This is God speaking about himself. Verse 11 says, calling the bird of prey from the east, the man who executes my counsel from a far country. Indeed, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have proposed it. I will also do it. God is speaking here and is talking about himself, about his resolution, if I can use that expression, about how he functions, how he operates. He says, let me tell you something. I am God. I want to remember the things I've done in times past. I want to remember the, t- the things that bear witness of my consistency. He says, remember the things of old. For I am God. And there is no other. In other words, I operate from a, a premise of self-determination. I don't have to consult any board of gods. There's no board of gods. You know, companies have board of directors and a tra- a charity organizations have a board of governors. But God doesn't have any board of gods. He says, there is no other God beside me. He said, there is none who can challenge me. I declare the end. Not only is that there's no God, he says, I'm God and there is none like me. He says, declaring the end from the beginning. So he says there is no God, which means there's no other God but God. But then he says there is none like me, which means that there is no plants like him, no human like him, no star like him, no firement like him, no element like him, no subject matter like him, 
no disposition like him, no drama like him, no power like him, no consortium like him, no organization like him, no confederacy like him, no association like him. I don't know what it is that's posed a threat to you. Uh, that thing intimidating you, looking at you in the eye. But hear ye the word of the Lord. I pray for that person who's dealing with a knee pain, with a leg pain. The God of heaven and earth declares concerning that right now. You are healed in the name of Jesus. Oh, I wish all of us would just agree with that person right now. Anybody who's dealing with a knee pain, with a leg pain, with difficulty in your heels, your calf, your muscles around your leg, receive your healing right now by the prophetic. You will testify of this. Receive your healing right now in the name of Jesus. None like me. That's what it says. And it begins to explain that I do as I please. It says, I have spoken it, I will also bring it to pass. I have proposed it, I will also do it. What has God said concerning your life? What has God said concerning your life? Whatever it is that the Lord has declared concerning you, it will come to pass. It will not fail. It will not fail. It will come to pass. Let's go real quick to the book of Ephesians chapter 1. We'll make references to Isaiah chapter 46. Ephesians chapter 1. I want to look at something real quick there. Very important. And from about verse 11. Uh, verse 9. Ephesians 1 from verse 9. Having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he proposed in himself. I want to think about this. Because I, I think that one of the major things that's missing in our understanding of God particularly in this generation is the sovereignty of God. So many of us think that we uh, serve a reactive God. We might not say that but that's how we think he operates. Many of us think that we serve a responsive God. And many of us think we just serve a responsible God. But we don't just serve a responsive or a responsible God. We serve a God who predetermines. We serve a God who foreordains. We serve a God who not only foreknows, but he pre-purposes. Which means that he's not subject to anything happening in this world right now. But everything happening in this world right now is subject to him. So see what Paul is teaching now. Which is perfectly in line with, with what the prophet Isaiah taught or prophesied. Verse 9, Ephesians 1. Having made known to us the mystery of his will. Which begins to explain that the will of God is essentially a mystery. And it means that if you are going to try to access the will of God based on your carnal understanding, you will miss it or you will get confused. It's a mystery because it can only be revealed to you. It cannot just be explained to your carnal mind. 
which means that every explanation of God's will has to be secondary to the revelation of God's will. Simply put, the natural man does not understand the deep things of the spirit. The spirit of God has to reveal that to his spirit and then his spirit has to teach his mind. Oh my goodness, I hope you see that. Is that it's the mystery of his will. The will of God is a mystery and therefore the person who will access the will of God, understand what God is doing, cannot go by his flesh, cannot go by his feelings, he has to go by his faith. Come on somebody. That you cannot understand the mystery of God by your flesh. You cannot understand the mystery of God by your feelings. You can only understand the mystery of God by your faith. He says he has made unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he proposed in himself that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times he might gather together in one all things in Christ both which are in heaven and which are on earth <laughs> in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things. Somebody say all things. He works all things. Is he working WHO for your good? Yes. Is he working COVID together? Yes. Is he working the loss of the loved ones? Oh, yes. As painful as it is. But if the Bible says he works all things, all things, all things, after the counsel of his will, it means whatever drama, whatever demonic drama the devil is putting out there through the media, through your personal space, through the voices in your head, through the errors from your past, through the concerns about the future, through the seeming chaos in your environment. God is working everything out after the counsel of his will. Somebody type in the comment box, yes sir. Come on, somebody type in the comment box, yes sir. Or I hear, or I hear, I hear. Come on. He says that he's working all things according to the counsel of his will. That we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. Come on. Come on. Somebody give God praise. We'll still come to Ephesians chapter 1. I just want us to have a bird eye view of a number of scriptures before we begin to unpack or passages before we begin to unpack this, this text. <laughs> Thank you, Father. Romans chapter 8 from verse 18. Romans 8 from verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Verse 20. For the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him, God, who subjected it in hope. <laughs> because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation, the entirety of creation, groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, 
grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. I wish I could go on and on, but let me just read to you in a simpler translation so that it will make to be clearer to many of us. <laughs> Romans 8 Amplified, it says, For I consider from the standpoint of faith that the sufferings of the present life are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is about to be revealed to us and in us. For even the whole creation, all nature, waits eagerly for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration and futility, not willingly, because of some intentional fault on its past, talking about nature, the earth, and all of that, but by the will of King God, who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will also be freed from its bondage to decay and gain entrance into the glorious freedom of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been mourning together as in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only this, but we too, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, a joyful indication of the blessings to come, even we groan inwardly as we eagerly wait, as we wait eagerly for the sign of our adoption as sons, the redemption and transformation of our body at the resurrection. Let me just make this very simple to you. What Paul is saying in Romans chapter 8 is that the entirety of the earth the nature, the things that God made, the sun, moon, stars, rocks, hills, mountains, puddles, rivers, oceans, trees, greenery, fields, all those elements are groaning. They are groaning and desperately waiting for the manifestation of the fullness of the children of God, the sons of God, those who are begotten of God. He is speaking more so eschatologically. He is speaking more so about the consummation of this age. He is saying that the entirety of the universe is expecting a new kind of man, a new kind of human that will come. That kind of human is the one whose body will be swallowed up in immortality, that he will be fully transformed, that there will be no element of decay in his flesh, but that he will be certified, authorized, fully validated by God, almost the same way, or rather in the same way, wherein after Jesus came to the Jordan, God said to, to the people who were there, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. But when we go further along to the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 17, it begins to say, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him, which means that our sonship is validated also in faces. That first of all, Jesus, God says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. But consequently, later he said, in whom I'm well pleased, listen to him. Which means that even as sons, their grades, their rankings, their levels of divine endorsement we enjoy at different times based on our yieldedness to God. Similarly, as the earth is, the earth is groaning, waiting for the full consummation and the maturation of those who are called by the name of God. Now, whilst that is true to us about the end times, what is also true is that at every phase and every season, when a new generation of sons are being born, where there is a work that God is doing in the earth, a major cataclysmic shift that God is doing in the earth, the earth goes through a birth pangs, it goes through groanings. Why? 
because it is like a woman. That when a woman wants to give birth, watch this. When a woman wants to give birth, that there are birth pangs, there, there are groanings, there is pressure, there internal com- there's inter- internal convulsion that occurs when the woman is about to birth something. Oh, check all of history, you're going to discover that before there is a major shift, before there are major revivals, before there are major outbreaks in terms of scientific inventions, before there is a new process that changes the paradigm, the earth goes through groanings. Ah, whenever it is that Jesus is being born, whenever it is that Jesus is emerging, the earth goes through groanings. Why? Because Herod is going to come and say, kill every child that is two years and younger. That is the earth groaning. Uh, whenever it is that God begins to raise Moses when Moses is about to emerge what is going to happen Pharaoh is going to rise and is going to say slay all the children kill all the children who are born to the Jews they are not directly in the know of the plans of God but the spirits that are ruling them controlling the Pharaohs and the Herods of the world can sense that there is about to be a shift and they are trying to kill it before the emergence let me announce to you prophetically that what is happening in the world right now is one of those cataclysmic shifts in the earth where there are groanings. Why? Because a new generation of sons are emerging. A new dimension of our sonship is being unveiled. A new realm and a new face of what God intends for the earth is about to happen. Oh, come on, somebody shout, I was born for this. I was born for this. So think about the rampage. Think about the riots. Think about the rape. Think about religion crisis. Think about all the upheavals, the intensity, the desperation and the drive. Don't forget what Jesus said concerning the end times. says that when it is that you see the signs, rejoice. Why? Because your redemption is drawing near. He didn't say at that time the redemption is going to come, but it says the redemption is drawing near. Look at somebody if you can and say this is our time. This is our time. Don't let the devil lie to you. Don't let hell try to intimidate you. Don't let hell subdue you in fear, in trepidation, and crisis, and pain, and chaos. This is your time. You were born for this. That's what Paul says. Paul says not only is the earth groaning, not only is the earth unsettled, not only is the earth agitated. He said even we ourselves, there are layers and levels of unsettlement. There are groanings and mournings in the place of prayer, in the place of thinking, in the place of planning. Why? Because there is something on the inside of you that is crying for expression. That's why for many people you feel unsettled. That's why for some of you you feel restless. That's why for some of you, you feel somewhat uncertain. You know there is more. You know there is more. You know there is more. And God is not cut off God because God ordained even the times and the seasons that we're in. Somebody shout, I was born for this. I was born for this. I refuse to be an analyst of the problem I was created to solve. I refuse to become a professional at complaining about the problem I was born to solve. I refuse to be a commentator when God called me to be an activator. I refuse to just be an analyst when God called me to be a catalyst. I refuse to just be a script writer when God called me to feature in the play. I refuse 
refuse to be a bystander when God sent me to be a lead player. I refuse to go into slumber and isolation, weakness and uh, fatigue when it is that God has called me to rise beyond the trauma and rise beyond the fear and be the person who brings encouragement. Yes, I go through my down times. Yes, I go through the pain. Yes, I go through the dilemma. Yes, I go through the disappointment. But I never forget that the earnest expectation of the creatures waiting for the manifestation of the sun that I am. And even before my body, my physical body swelled up in immortality, there are layers and levels of the expression of my sonship that must be made manifest in this time and in this season. Come on, somebody say, I was born for this. <laughs> uh, say it louder, beat your chest and say, damn it, you were born for this. Oh, type your name in the chat box and say, I was born for this. Oh, call your full name. Damn it, Victor, you were born for this. You were born for this. You were born for this. And God is not unaware. He's not unaware of the challenges, of the peculiarities, of the piercing pain, of the crushing grief. God is not unaware. In our first passage, in the book of Isaiah chapter 46, oh, somebody might want to look at that. In the book of Isaiah chapter 46, God is talking to us about himself. There is nobody who can tell you more about themselves when they are talking about themselves. <laughs> there is nobody else who can tell you about a person than that person himself, I meant to say. Isaiah 46, he says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none beside me. He says, what makes me God is this. Verse 10, he begins to explain, declaring the end from the beginning. Hey, declaring the end from the beginning. I feel the power of God. What he's saying is that when man looks at it, he can try to guess what the end will look like. He can make projections and predictions. He can seemingly come up with prophecies. He can never really tell you the end. He can only make postulations. But God said, I do not only, oh my God, I don't only suggest the end. I, I, don't, I don't suggest the end. He says, I declare the end from the beginning. Many people cannot declare the end. They can't predict the end. They're watching a football match. They make predictions. They're wrong. They look at a new year. They make predictions. They're wrong. They look at your life and make predictions. And guess what? They're wrong. Can I just say to somebody, what they said about you will not happen. Hey. That amen ought to be louder. What they said, the negativity, the prophesied, the things that they spoke concerning you, those negative things will not happen. Somebody say amen. God said, I declare the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things that are not yet done. And I said, saying, my counsel shall stand. My counsel, God has a counsel. 
God has a mind on everything that is going on and it does not matter whether you're APP, APC or PDP. It does not matter whether you're Republican or Democrat. It does not matter whether you're North or South. It does not matter whether you're tall or short. It does not matter whether you're COVID or covered. Hear this. It is the counsel of the Lord that that shall stand. It's not the counsel of any president, no political party, no prime minister, no manipulator, no investor, no business person, no billionaire. It is the counsel of the Lord that shall stand. He says, I will do all my pleasure. Nothing is going to truncate this. Nothing is going to cut the shot. Nothing is going to reverse it. In verse 11, Towards the end, it says, indeed, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. So what God is saying is that when I declare something, as I have spoken it, I also ensure that no matter what the twist and the turns are, no matter what the labyrinth is, this is especially comforting for some of you who feel like I missed the mark, I lost my time, and this happened, they cheated me. If you are going with the navigation of God's word, with the prophetic word, hear this. No matter what they've done to you, said to you, said about you, it will not stop what God has ordained concerning you. Hear ye the word of the Lord. It will not, it will not stop what the Lord has ordained concerning you. It will not stop what the Lord has ordained concerning you. It won't stop it. Oh, someone type in the coin box, it won't stop it. It won't stop it. It won't stop it. Mm -hmm. It won't stop it. I will bring the past half proposed it. I will also do it. I want to start by giving you three major things and I'll give you some key points after the three major things. Number one is this. When we deal with the concept of you being born for this and you're in the middle of the cacophony of confusion, the cataclysmic shifts, the impact that the diseases all the disease the pandemic has had on the economy, the stress, the agitation, the first thing I want to keep in mind is this. God has a purpose. My goodness. God has a purpose. Everybody say that with me. God has a purpose. Type that in the comment box. God has a purpose. Sometimes we make it seem as if we are the people or we are the ones suggesting to God what he should do. God, God, I think you should do this. God, God, I propose that you should do this. God, if only you can just do this. And because of the week, I was discussing my wife and something about, you know, the deaths that happened. And I said, you know, wouldn't it have been good, you know, if God could just maybe sort of like make a provision for us to be able to see those who have gone into the world beyond to say hello to make phone calls to them like can make phone calls to your friends who are in Canada or America or Japan or Hong Kong right and I said well I know that because God is all wise and all knowing that still won't satisfy us and that still won't make things better we cannot make suggestions to God because God is all knowing God is all wise God is all good God is all right my God, all-knowing, all-wise, all-good, all-right. That's what it is. What's a purpose? The reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. Purpose. The reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. Another definition of purpose 
a person's sense of resolve or determination. The reason. God has a reason. His hands behind the scenes. Pulling strings that our eyes can't see. We may feel like it makes the world a prison. But I tell you this. Our good God has a reason. Oh, that was just a poem right there. <laughs> God has a purpose. It does not matter how dramatic, how theatrical hell is. It does not matter what machination, what manipulation, what scheme, what scam, what strategy, what stratagem hell pulls out from their secret vaults. I promise you this, that God has a purpose. It does not matter what disease shows up, what volcanic eruptions break out on the horizon, what second wave or third wave of COVID is being predicted. I want to tell you something. God has a purpose. You might not know the fullness of it, we'll get to it, but God has a purpose. Why did you go through what you went through? Why were you delayed in secondary school? Why did it take you four years to get into the university? Why do you have two or three extra years? Why didn't you get a job on time? Why? In the middle of the whys that we are yet to resolve, I tell you that God has something that he resolved before you knew that the word resolved existed. That God had a purpose before the English language became a thing. Oh, God had a purpose before the P in purpose, before the U, the R, the P-O-S-E. God still has a purpose because from what Isaiah 46 says, that purpose does not change, that counsel is not crushed, that thing that God has in mind is not reduced in quality, why? Because he's sovereign above all creation. He ordains times and seasons. He determines the movements of the waves, the swish swash of the sea, the wobbly jiggly movement of the worm, the flooring feathers of the eagle. He understands all of that. Nothing happens without his permission. God has a purpose. I want to know that. God has a purpose. And that purpose for some of you, they might go like, oh my God, I wonder what that purpose is. I, 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 if God has a purpose, or maybe it's a bad purpose. That's why we read Isaiah, Ephesians chapter 1, and we'll look at it again. That's why we read Ephesians chapter 1, where he explains to us the direction of that purpose. He says in verse 8 of verse 9, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in himself so Paul helps us to deal with the fear that God might have an evil purpose because what God says he says whatever I determine is going to come to pass now many of us have been exposed to human beings who said that and we knew they meant wickedness ha! I will show that person I will deal with them and they made it happen and so we get scared when we hear God has a purpose oh my God <laughs> What could that purpose be? B. Apostle Paul says that this purpose is according to his good pleasure, which he proposed in himself. So the purpose of God is pleasurable. I want to keep that in mind. The purpose of God is pleasurable. Psalm 16 says in the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 37 says it shall be abundantly satisfied by the goodness of his house and it shall cause us to drink of the rivers of his pleasure. The rivers of his pleasure. So the purpose of God is pleasurable. So no matter the pain you feel right now, 
No matter the hurt you feel right now. And if you're like me, you felt some pain in the last one week. You felt some hurt in the last two weeks. Your heart broke over the killings and the rape. Your heart melted when you heard some kind of news from some quarters. You cried with people, you had tears in your eyes. But no matter how many tears we cry, if we're in the purpose of God and we remain steadfast in that purpose and we remain faithful and faithful in that purpose, we can be sure of this pleasure is going to come out of it. So the purpose of God is pleasurable. God has a purpose. When Moses was floating on the Nile and Pharaoh's daughter came and picked him up and it looked like Moses was done and gone never to come back again, God had a purpose. When Miriam let that child, Miriam the, the sister of Moses, left the little brother on the Nile and let him go, it looked like the end of the story. It looked like Miriam would never see Moses again, but guess what? Because God works all things after the counsel of us, we are. Oh, years later, 80 years later, guess who Moses was? Moses was the deliverer. And guess where Miriam was? Miriam was the songwriter, the prophetess who raised the song of emancipation and deliverance as they walked through the Red Sea. Come on, hear this. Miriam let go of the boy, but God already knew that decades later, this boy that you're letting go of is still going to be reunited with you and you will still work together. I don't know who I'm speaking to prophetically, but there are certain things that you feel have been separated from you. Certain opportunities, relationships, offers, certain programs that you feel like you died to and they died to you. In the eternal counsel of God, at the right time, there's going to be a conflagration, there's going to be a congregation, there's going to be an amalgamation and a consummation of the eternal purpose of God because the purpose of God is inseparable. Hell can break it, demons can crush it, and hackers can't divide it. Oh, those who create machines cannot melt it because the purpose of God predicts the plans of men. God has a purpose. God has a purpose. And if you will just release your faith, and allow yourself to relax in the fact that God's purpose is pleasurable. You will reclaim that peace that the enemy has challenged. You will walk in the fullness of conviction like you once used to. Somebody say, God has a purpose. Somebody put your hand on your head and say, God has a purpose for my life. Put your hand on your chest and say, God has a purpose for my life. God has a purpose. For every disappointment, every delay, every bout of discouragement, oh God has a purpose. And I'm so delighted that God didn't say that I will make it happen. He says, I will perform my counsel. God said, I will perform my purpose. God has a purpose. When Peter was locked up in jail <laughs> and it was stuck in between so many soldiers, his hands and his feet were bound in stocks and chains. God had a purpose because he knew that he was going to stir up the church to pray. And as they began to pray, guess what was going to happen? My goodness, an angel would appear in the prison yard and in Peter's cell and bring deliverance. I don't know what prison you feel stuck in right now. God has a purpose. And as you release your faith to connect with this word, you walk in mighty deliverance. Somebody say amen to that. The second thing I want to realize is that God has a plan. Not only does God have a purpose, but God 
has a plan. God has a plan. Somebody say that. God has a plan. Say it again. God has a plan. Say it again. God has a plan. I may not have a plan, but God has a plan. My plan may have been changed so many times. How many of you had your plans changed so many times this year? Raise your hand. If this year alone you've changed your plans like two or three times. You said you were going to release a product in February and then something happened, you moved it to March or something happened, you moved it to April and something happened, you moved it to June. Now something happened, just, I, I don't even know when next is going to come out. <laughs> but I tell you what, no matter how many times you moved your plans, God has a plan. What is a plan? A plan is a detailed proposal for doing or achieving something. A detailed proposal for doing or achieving something. What's a plan? A plan is an intention or decision about what one is going to do. What's a plan? It's a detailed map or diagram. So in the middle of what looks like a chaos, in the middle of what looks chaotic, in the middle of what looks discouraging and absolutely devastating, God is not moved because God has a detailed map. God has a detailed diagram. Do you mean that God has a plan for America right now? Yes. Do you mean that God has a plan for Iran right now? Yes. Do you mean that God has a plan for Russia right now? Yes. Do you mean that God has a plan for Nigeria right now? Yes. Do you mean that God has a plan for the black race and the dark-skinned and the subjugated and the oppressed and the raped and the molested and the violated and the overlooked and the subdued? Yes, God has a plan. God has a plan. It says an intention or decision about what, what God is good, what one is gonna do. In Isaiah 46, see what God said. God is saying that I have a plan. I have a plan. Isaiah 46. I have a plan. I also have proposed that I also will bring in the past. I have proposed that I will also do it. In other words, I have a detailed methodology of making it happen. Please don't worry yourself. Stop slapping your head against the rock. Stop beating yourself against the wall. Trying desperately to craft a plan. What we ought to do is not to craft a plan. What we ought to do is to read off the plan that God already crafted. And that's why it's absolutely impossible for a believer to live a fulfilled life without the instrumentality of prayer. Because it's in the place of prayer that we ex we're exposed to the intelligence of God. It's in the place of prayer that the blueprints of God are supernaturally imprinted, downloaded, embossed, and tattooed upon our hearts and upon our subconscious minds. Such that when we immerse ourselves and align ourselves with him in prayer, we naturally flow in the supernatural. And our thoughts, what we think are our thoughts, are only echoes of his thoughts because we're in perfect synchronicity by the guidance and the leadership of his Holy Spirit who's at work within us. Somebody say God has a plan. I declare the end from the beginning. God has a plan. God has a plan. 
God has a plan. I know the plans that I have towards you. I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Thoughts of good and not of evil. To bring you to an expected end. To give you a hope and a future. Who is that person who's running out of hope right now? Oh, let your mind be exposed to God's plan. I pray that in this moment, the Spirit of God begins to breathe on you, begins to breathe in you, begins to stir up your faith so that you begin to operate with a new lease of life. In the name of Jesus Christ, receive that, receive that, receive that new lease of life. The name of Jesus. Jeremiah 32, verse 17. Jeremiah said, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm there is nothing too hard for you why because you have a plan why because there is nothing that hell can do that can thwart what heaven has decided none of hell's plans can reverse god's plans come on somebody put that down <laughs> None of hell's plans can reverse any of God's plans. I want to read a very popular portion of, of the Bible to you. Many of you know this and you can quote it by heart. But I want to read it. And I'll read another translation. My goodness. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Jeremiah 29 verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a hope and a future. A future and a hope. Verse 12 says, Then you will call upon me and go and pray and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. He says, I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I've driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to the place from which I cause you to be carried away captive. God is saying that when you align yourself with my plans, when you align your heart with my plans, and you seek me in prayer, what's going to happen is that the very reason you were born will begin to manifest to you. In the middle of this chaos, I pray even in this moment that the Lord begins to download upon your heart, upon your mind, upon your spirit, the details of his plans so you can know for a shorty that you were born for this. Somebody say, I was born for this. Somebody say it again, I was born for this. Number three, and this is the final thing I'm going to say before I transition to the heart of the message, which is you were born for this. Number three, God has a people. God has a purpose. God has a plan. Number three, God has a people. God has a people. Ephesians chapter one, I know we've read it quite a few times, but read the game. Ephesians chapter one, and then I'm going to preach after this. Ephesians chapter one. Hmm. Verse nine, having made known to who? Us, his people, the mystery of his will. According to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. In him also we, his people, have obtained an inheritance, 
predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. That we who first trusted in Christ should be the prison's glory. God has a people. Not only does God have a plan, not only does God have a purpose, God has a people. So I cited the story earlier when it was <laughs> that God ordained, he had decided that Moses was going to be used as a deliverer to set the people of God free from the captive claws of Egypt. And it looked like hell was reacting to that purpose. It looked like there was turbulence in the earth. People were being killed. And because Moses' family didn't want him to be killed, they said to his sister, go drop your brother on the river now and let's see what's going to become of him. It's amazing how it is that man can run out of his own plans, but God never runs out of his plan. God is never disillusioned. And so when it looked like man didn't have a plan, when it looked like Moses' family had exhausted their possibilities and their plans. They did not understand that God had a person. For every time people abandon you, God has a person he's going to use to raise you up. And the person that God used in this case was Pharaoh's daughter. Somehow, God caused Pharaoh's daughter to be in that neighborhood and to cause Moses' basket to float at a certain frequency and velocity such that it landed right in the same place where Pharaoh's daughter was about to take a bath. And the Bible makes it clear that the daughter was so enamored by the baby Moses and he takes the baby Moses into the palace. Oh, come on, watch this now. God used the economy of Egypt to finance the person who was going to make them bankrupt. Did you hear that? God used the economy of Egypt because he has proposed it. The purpose of God will cause your enemies to bankroll your destiny. The purpose of God will cause those who hate you to sponsor your promotion. The purpose of God will turn the gossips in your life into your publicity managers. The purpose of God will cause those who wanted to shut change you to promote you. The purpose of God will cause people who are looking. Why? Because God has people in places to ensure that his purpose is fulfilled according to his plan. Come on, someone to give God praise right now and thank God that the worst of times are turned around for the best of times for you. Come on, someone to give God praise that the plans of Jehovah do not expire. These plans don't need any endorsement from any man. No man can live long enough to monitor God's plans. Come on. No man can live long enough to monitor the plans of God. He's not a God of Abraham. He's a God of Abraham. And when Abraham dies, he has enough goodness to run into Isaac. And when Isaac is no more, he's still got enough favor to show Jacob and when Jacob is out of the scene he's still got enough wisdom to give Joseph come on somebody he is beyond generations and he has people in every generation oh Moses said David said when my father and my mother forsake me the Lord is going to take me up he's going to lift me up he's going to position me God has a people come on somebody give God praise for the people that God has well, one of the people that God has is the person listening to me right now. I'm talking about you. How will the plans of God to reach the nations come to pass? How will the purpose of God to manifest the glory of God come to pass? You've got to understand that you are a part of the purpose of God. You are a part of the plan of God. You are a part of the program of God. You are a part of the agenda of God. Yes, you might feel tired. Yes, you might feel weak. Yes, you might feel insignificant. Yes, you might feel exhausted. But God has a people and you are one of them. High five yourself and say, damn, you were born for such a time as this. 
<laughs> High five yourself one more time. Say, I was born for such a time as this. Oh, Judah, no matter how much you try to run away, you are a part of God's plan. God already proposed from eternity's past that Nineveh will be saved. It does not matter whether Jonah tries to run away or not. God said, my counsel will stand. My counsel is superior to your stubbornness. My counsel is superior to the rigidity of your economy. My counsel is superior to the agitation of your environment. My counsel is superior to the rebellion of your generation. My counsel is superior ah, to the excesses and to the delays and to the detours. I will work you out. How did the whale know where to drop Jonah? How did the whale know? Because God governs the rhythm of the ocean. God governs the direction of the winds. God governs the velocity of the whale. God governs the appetite of the whale. God governs. The whale had no GPS, but it had a different kind of GPS. The whale had no global positioning system, but it had God's positioning system. Let me tell you that. For your plan, for your destiny rather, for the purposes of God for your life, there is a GPS. No matter how far you run, by the hand of God, he will nudge you in. He will pull you in. Lost sheep, he will climb up to the mountain. Corey Asbury tells us, no mountain! He won't climb up. Run after you! He will bring you into a fold and keep you safe and secure in the grip of grace. God's plan will come to pass and you are a person in the plan. Somebody shout, I'm a part of the plan. Oh, shout God, I'm a part of God's people. I'm a part of God's, I'm a part of God's people. I'm a part of God's family. Kings is a part of God's big picture. Oh, you are, call your name. Victor is a part of it. Auntie Helen is a part of it. The Adeo Jews are a part of it. The Ogukoyas are a part of it. The Obadeis are a part of it. T-Lash, you're a part of it. Kenneth, you're a part of it. Come on, somebody. Chile, do you are a part of it. Stanley, you are a part of it. Chike, you are. The part of Enoch, you are a part of the Gloria, you are a part. Type your name in the comment box and say, I am a part of the plan. I am a part of the plan. I am a part. God has positioned you in this season. Why were you not born in 1684? Why did he not give you breath in 1782? Why did you, didn't you float into this climb in this time? And time has passed because God put you in this is you were born for such a time as this first judgment 3 verse 8 says for this purpose the son of man was made manifest that he might destroy the works of darkness let me assure you let me assure you you are existing living in this time because God has some manifestation of glory to do. Because God has a dimension of power to express. Because God has a dimension of glory. And he has decided that he's going to use somebody with your combination of gifts, personality, talents, abilities, historicity, advantages, orientation, mindset, conviction, disposition, behavioral pattern. He has decided that he will use somebody like you. To make this happen somebody shout god has a plan uh -huh. i'm almost there but somebody shouted louder oh yeah god has a purpose and then shouted i am a part of 
that plan. I was born for this. I was born for the COVID days. I was born for the Corona crisis. I was born for the rape onslaught. I was born for the demonic assault for a time such as this. I was not born to be subdued by them. I was born to show a dimension of divine glory. There is a depth of divine energy that God wants to unleash through my life. I was born for such a time as this. Two or three more passages and, and we'll call it a day. Jeremiah chapter 51. Look at what the word says. I was born for this. I, was, I can handle it. <laughs> Say it, I can handle it. Because I was born for it. Mm -hmm. It cannot handle me. I can handle it. Mm -hmm. I can handle this. Because I was born for it. I was born for it. I was invented to solve this problem. I, I was released by God to deal with these devils. I was born for this. Jeremiah 51, verse 20. You are my battle axe and weapons of war. For with you I will break the nation in pieces. With you I will destroy kingdoms. With you I will break in pieces the horse and its rider. With you I will break in pieces the chariot and its rider. With you I will break in pieces man and woman. With you I will break in pieces old and young. With you I will break in pieces the young man and the maiden. With you I will break in pieces the shepherd and his flock. With you I will break in pieces the farmer and his yoke of oxen. <laughs> and with you I will break in pieces governors and rulers and I will repay Babylon and all the inhabitants of Chaldea for all the evil that they have done in Zion, have done in Zion in his sight, says the Lord. God is speaking and is saying, I'm going to take care of all those things that dealt with my people, those things that attacked my people. And he said, you speaking to human embodiments are my battle axe. From today, please don't just see yourself as a vessel made of clay with sinews and muscles and Booms, but see yourself as a divine machine. See yourself as a divine contraption. See yourself as a tool in the hands of God. See yourself as a vessel in the hands of Jehovah. He said, I will destroy things, systems, coordinated assemblage or coagulation, conglomerates of demonic work and darkness. It says that the capacity of what I can do through can even destroy nations and dismantle kingdoms. In our case, kingdoms of darkness. Kingdoms of darkness. Because you were born for this. The word says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth who went about doing good and killing all those oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. Did you know that every Bible hero that was celebrate, appreciate, draw inspiration and wisdom from every one of them was born into crisis times or had to deal with crisis in their times. There is no Deborah without crisis. Come on. Hey, yeah. There is no Noah without a flood. There is no David without Goliath. There is no Saul who becomes Paul the apostle without persecution and the beasts in Ephesus. There is no Jesus the way we know him to be without the Pharisees seeking to kill his life. There is no Moses without the oppression of Israel. There is no Elijah without the prophets of Baal. Come on somebody. There is no Joseph without Potiphar's wife. Everybody that God uses was born into crisis or born 
to bring light in the crisis. This is our own season. This is our own time. But we are not perturbed. We were born for this. We were wired to do well in this. We were, gal- we were galvanized and engineered to thrive in trouble. Oh, somebody shout, I thrive even in trouble. Somebody shout, I'm coronated even in crisis. Somebody shout, I win even in war. Somebody shout, I break through even in battle. Somebody shout, I overcome even in the midst of obstacles. Somebody shout, I'm still royal in spite of the resistance. Somebody holler, I am crowned king in the midst of the catastrophe because I was born for this. I'm not shying away from it. I was born for this. What do I need to do? I need to immerse myself in the depth of this revelation. Saturate myself with the fact that God is sovereign. He has a purpose beyond what my eyes can see, what my mind can compute, what the environment can interpret. He has a plan. He has a step-by-step guide. And he has a people. And I'm one of God's people. If you will go real quick for the final time, to Ephesians chapter 1. And for many of you, you need to study those two passages again and again. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. What I need to do is to consistently walk in the spirit of revelation. For me to know, God, what is my own part of this puzzle? I can't solve every problem. I cannot deal with every issue. I cannot help everybody. But I know I was born into this time for a reason. And I'm here for a season. God, I don't want to waste time watching other people solve the problems you call them to solve. And I'm stranded. And for some of us, we might not even know what the fullness of that is. And if you don't know what the fullness of that is, remain faithful where you are. Remain faithful in this house. Serve on that team. Be a part of what God is doing. And even if you know what that is, and that's somewhat out of what this house and bodies are in cases. Some other signs that God has for you. Still remain faithful in this house. What we need to do is to be immersed in the mystery of us we are. And to take it one day at a time. One day at a time. The word says, teach us the number of days that we may apply our hearts into wisdom. So understand that being able to apply our hearts into wisdom is not about us knowing the years. God will deal with the years, but he needs us to be faithful with the days. When Jesus taught us to pray, he said, give us this day our daily bread. This day. God is the one who says, I will restore the years. If you are faithful with the days, God will restore the years. If you are faithful with the day, God will take care of the years. If every day you say, I was born for this. I was born to overcome today. I was born to help somebody today. Sometimes we get so caught up and anxious about the cares for tomorrow, the plans for tomorrow, the blueprints for 2027. But God just wants us to trust Him today. God just wants us to be available to him today. God just wants us to be immersed in him today. God just wants us to be available as his hands, as his eyes. Today, today, today. 
I want you to join me in this revelation. I want you to join me in being immersed in this revelation. As we say, God, we are born for this. I may not know what tomorrow holds, but I know the person who holds tomorrow. And I know that if I'm faithful with the days, God, you will take care of the decades. If I'm faithful with the days, God, you will take care of the decades. And so today, I release myself fresh to you, God, that I'm indeed born for this. I align myself with your purpose. As you reveal it, Paul, who said that he has revealed to us the mystery of his will, is also the one who said we know in part and we prophesy in part. We behold right now dimly as in the glass, but God, every day, as you increase my luminous intensity, as you increase my fluorescence, as you increase my revelation, I will align with your purpose. I will align with your plan. I will be your person in that space. I will be the person who loves. I will be the person who gives. I will be the person who intercedes. I was born for this. I will be your battle axe. You can hold me and wield me and use me as you please God. Are you ready to pray this with me? Are you ready to be this everybody? Wherever you are, I want you to stand wherever you are and walk around that room, walk around that bedroom, walk around that space right now and say, God, I was born for this. I'm available to you, God. I was born for this. I will not be subdued or subjected by the antagonism of hell, by the crisis, uh, by the parties that hell is throwing and feasting all across. I will stop the manifestation of evil in my space, my day, I was born for this. I was born as a licensed, of, licensed official of that kingdom. Father, we yield ourselves today. We yield ourselves today as instruments in your hands, as battle axes. We choose to be subject to your purpose, subject to your plan, and settled in the reality that we are your people. Father, we align, God. We align today. Thank you. Thank you for your hand upon our lives. I pray particularly for those who have been weak, for those who have lost orientation, who, who had lost orientation before today, who were being carried away with the wings of weariness and discouragement. Lord, I rebuke every foul spirit of heaviness. Lord, I rebuke every foul spirit of discouragement. Lord, I rebuke every spirit of despair. Lord, I rebuke every spirit of overwhelm and depression. I displace those foul spirits right now. And I release the spirit of faith. I release the spirit of joy. I release the spirit of peace. I release strength in the spirit to everyone who's listening to those words. Be empowered. Be emboldened. Be equipped. Be rejuvenated. Be made alive. Rise and shine. For your light has come. Overcome the works of hell. Thrive in the glory of God. Move in the blissful abundance of Jehovah. It is well with you. Come on somebody give God praise and glorify God with a hand clap right now. Celebrate him as majestic. Celebrate him as awesome. Shout where you are. Type in the comment box. Put flames of fire. I put a heart in there. Say, I was born for this. I was born for this. If you're watching this right now and you haven't received the life of Jesus, maybe you've heard this message and it's turned you up in your heart. Maybe you're in that place right now where you just know that I need to be right with God. I need to be right with God. I need to be right with God. I want you to please join me as we pray together. I want to believe in Jesus. The word says, there is no other name by which man can be saved except the name of Jesus. What does that mean? Jesus Christ came into this earth. He did not have any personal sin, but he died for your sins. He died for my sins. He didn't just die to change our acts. He died to change our hearts. 
he didn't just deal with our acts of sin, he dealt with the nature of sin, so that we are no longer subject to the influence of sin. And what I wanted to do right now, as you join me, is to believe and say, God, I need a savior, I'm desperately in need of a savior. There's no other person that can save me but your son, Jesus Christ. So I repose my faith in Jesus today. And I acknowledge him as the king of my life. I acknowledge him as the savior of my heart. I acknowledge him as the Lord of my heart. I acknowledge him as the savior. I acknowledge Jesus Christ as my savior. I confess that Jesus is Lord of my life. Thank you because your blood is washing my sins away. Thank you because your blood has taken away my shameful past, my shameful history. You are writing my name in your book, oh God. You have written my name in your book. My name is written in your book. And by faith, by faith I walk in the earth of life. I receive the gift of salvation. In Jesus' name we've prayed. Amen and amen and amen. I want you, I want you, if you just made that decision to send your information to us via DM. We want to connect with you. We want to help you. We want to walk with you on the journey. It's a new beginning, but that's exactly what it is, a new beginning. And God has predicted your end, one of glory and goodness. And we're surrendering to him. We're surrendering ourselves to him as his people to come alongside you in your journey to walk you through this to come to the fullness of the maturation in the Son of God. Come on, someone, have you been blessed today? Can you celebrate God? Can you exalt him? Can you extol him? You are born for this. When that challenge faces you this week, what do you say? Ah, when you face that challenge this week, what do you say? I didn't hear that. When the bill pops up, when the bad news shows up, when the disease pops up in a space around you, what would you say? Would you run away? No, you would say, I was born for this. The generation is rising on an emerging generation of kings. To join this growing community of kings, visit www.kingdomcentral.org and send your full name and email address to 0908-123-4566. One more thing, someone you know needs this. Kindly share this how.